Ignite your curiosity with Austin next. We're watching Austin transform from a thriving ecosystem into a global superstar. With our host, Jason Scharf, we aspire to better comprehend the true nature of innovation. Together, we will uncover what makes a successful ecosystem and navigate the technologies shaping our future. Now let's dive into what's next. Storytelling is often the overlooked element for an innovation ecosystem. The stories that shape our understanding of a region, the role the media plays in this, and how we should think about the evolution of narratives are the topics for today as I'm joined by Walt Makaborski, the main anchor for CBS Austin News. Walt is an Edward R. Murrow and Emmy Award-winning journalist who has worked in network news in major markets from Los Angeles to London. Recently, Walt anchored daily extended coverage of the Austin bomber, bringing the city live breaking news updates on the search for a domestic terrorist. He's been on the front lines of major national and international stories, including anchoring coverage of the Olympic Games from Sydney, Australia. He's also reported and anchored from Superstorm Sandy, embedded with the Indiana Task Force One, the Oklahoma City bombing, the massive Texas A&M bonfire collapse, the devastating F5 tornado that hit Jarrell, Texas, and then Governor George W. Bush and his run for the White House. Walt, welcome to the Austin X podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for the invite. So... I want to go back to kind of your history of covering news, both in Austin directly, seeing it from afar, and looking at the evolution of the Austin innovation ecosystem narrative. How would you say the story was when you were here from, you know, the, the mid-90s to today? How has it changed? You know, what would you say the story was then and now? It's almost similar. When I was here in the 90s, the big buzz was Dell. Michael Dell, college student at the University of Texas, starts his company out of his dorm room at UT and his company starts to blow up. And then, you know, we had this term in the 90s, the Dellionaires of Austin, because it seemed like overnight it was the roaring 90s. These young kids were driving Porsche Boxsters. There was these huge tech parties in Austin. It was just a great time. And I was a young reporter at the ABC station at the time, and I'm seeing all this around me and we're not covering it. Sure, we would cover, you know, Dell had a stock split or Motorola came out with a flip phone. And that was kind of about the end of it. But I talked to my boss and I said, you know, there's something happening here and we're just not reporting on it. Can I start something? And my boss at the time said, sure, I don't care, whatever. And I'm like, Okay. And I thought it was a really great name. So I started Click Here on Tuesday. <laughs> and it was one of those things where I didn't even know where to start. So I said, well, I'll just start with Dell because everybody knows Dell. So we did a couple interviews over there and we talked about his origin story. And that was great. But my real excitement came when I started getting into companies like Silicon Labs. They were just launching in Austin. And it was one of those things where it was cutting edge new technology and they weren't really telling their story and it wasn't being reported on in the mainstream media. It was the trades talked about Silicon Labs and, and people in the know, but Austin in general wasn't. So that was the first time I realized that, wow, look at the technology that is coming from Austin. But you got to remember, we were in the bubble. So I did a story on um, a really brilliant guy. His name is Ross Garber. And he started a company called Vignette. And that was a darling for a while, but that blew up in the bubble. And then we had, you know, PC order and we had a company called garden.com. It was like 
crazy and things were going well. And then I remember Intel was going to have a huge new headquarters in downtown Austin and things were going great. But in news, after a few years in Austin, I got called up to Atlanta and that was a big market. So I left and then the dot-com bust happened. And then again, the whole tech sector fizzled and nobody covered it anymore. So that's kind of my my origin in Austin. I started Click Here and I said, we got to report on the tech. This is crazy. You know, of course, IBM came out here early. And then I think when MCC came in and planted a flag in Austin, that kind of sent the signal that we're going to be serious about tech. So do you think that a lot of the companies that we think of kind of in the history, besides Dell, like Trilogy and, and some of those, you know, having come here only a couple of years ago, I'd actually never heard of those companies before coming here. Is it because they didn't have the giant exit? Is it because of the story where they, they were successful, but like that connection didn't happen? What is your thought of why it didn't kind of penetrate into the wider, you know, zeitgeist like Dell did? Like, obviously, I, I, you know, I'd obviously heard of Dell coming here. You know, I think there are two problems. First, I think in general television terms, a lot of reporters and stations don't know how to tell the story visually. How do you tell a story of a software company that makes a really cool thing, but you don't have any video other than a computer screen or maybe a brochure? So I think in the TV world, it wasn't sexy to begin with. But then you'd have, you know, they would get on all of the business shows. They'd have the ticker on the bottom. They talk about their company and kind of get exposure there. It was easy to get a nice glossy layout in a magazine and talk about your company and your culture. But TV, I think, kind of ignored a lot of the tech companies because they really didn't know how to tell the story visually. It's a lot easier to cover a house fire or crime because you got the pictures or you have something about, you know, Austin city government. So these companies weren't getting the coverage because I think just in general, there wasn't a visual element to it. The other thing is, is sadly, a lot of these companies really don't know how to tell their story. And many times it's really not about the technology. It's about the people and the people's stories are the greatest. Like I'm doing a story now with Lazarus 3D and their origin story is amazing. They were on a bus in Houston. And one of the surgeons said, yeah, I practiced on a bell pepper before my surgery. And they said, you practice a major surgery on a bell pepper. You got to be kidding me. So they started Lazarus 3D and said, we're going to make an organ from the MRIs and CT scans. And we're going to let the surgeons operate on that. Two things there, that origin story connects with people because they kind of think it's funny. And I think, really, that guy was going to operate on my liver after working on a bell pepper. <laughs> And then the other thing is, is that what I think the tech sector thinks is cool, they don't know that it's also cool to the general public. And I just don't think they're telling their origin stories out there or connecting with the mainstream media. They've got the trades down and they've got the, all the conferences down. But when it comes to just saying, hey, we have a cool origin story and we have a cool culture and we're in Austin because of the culture. I'm going to push back that on that for a second, though. What's the counterpoint when you think about Silicon Valley and especially let's ignore the consumer social media companies for a second, because obviously everybody's touching those. That story tells itself. But I'm thinking of all the enterprise SaaS companies, the Salesforce, where lots of people do hear about them. And 
to your point, Salesforce from a TV visual media doesn't really tell itself. Like you can't, I, you know, I, what did you see with if the computer screen, but everybody still hears about that. So how did they crack the code in Silicon Valley so that everybody knew about Salesforce, even though it didn't tell itself visually? I think Salesforce has a good story of they made it sexy. They made software sexy and you had a lot of young kids coming out of college having to learn Salesforce and integrate it into things. And they realized, hey, kids are using this and we have the tech giants using this and the startups using this. So why don't we show a bunch of you know, cool kids using our software and talking about it on social media. They do a great job on social media and they also tell people stories. So it's really not so much about the software and, and how they connect with companies and make things better. I've seen things, you know, they'll have like a lifestyle thing, you know, get your work done and go to the beach or make client calls and get a, a better connection with your uh, network. They did a good job of telling that story. And I think Silicon Valley also comes with the reputation that they don't really have to work hard at. I think Austin, as we talked about before, is in this weird shadow like Silicon Hills or the also ran. And that's kind of stuck. I don't think we're there. If the real story gets out, everybody will know that Central Texas and the, you know, the Metroplex from Dallas, Houston, San Antonio and Austin is doing incredible things. Now, I think it, I'm going to take the, the positive aspect, right, which is I think that one of the things I found really interesting about Austin is the ability for it to punch above its weight, where you kind of hear all of these things, where one of the things I found interesting when I was getting ready to move here and talking, if you'd asked people, let's use a metric like venture capital, like where do you think Austin ranks in terms of venture capital funding? And coming from San Diego was always interesting. I, I would use the two back to back. I'd say, okay, where do you think Austin ranks venture capital wise? And almost consistently, everybody would say, oh, it's probably the number five ranked in the country in terms of venture capital funding. And where do you think uh, San Diego ranks? And everyone, I would get consistently between eight and 12. And pre-pandemic, the reality was almost is, was reversed. San Diego was pretty consistently number five. And Austin was usually somewhere in the kind of six to 10 huddle there, right? You know, it was anything from, you know, 10 to six was really usually any quarter, any year could change, right? It was, it was a, pretty, uh, a pretty mixed bag there. But it was that, that narrative that we had as being the next place. And we had that for a consistent amount of time that people just assumed we were a lot bigger than we were. And so it's interesting that on one hand, we lived in the shadow when we were this kind of the next Silicon Valley, the, the satellite I've, I've heard us kind of going to be called. But for a while, I think that has helped from that perspective. But now as we're trying to break out of it, it's now that kind of it's a tension uh, moment, right? Well, you know, I think has, it has to do with the culture and the message. Like San Diego, everybody wants to go to San Diego, right? They want to live there. They want to move there. They, they want to be there with the weather and it's perfect place to live. So I think a lot of people look at Austin as it's a college football town with you know, the state capital that convenes every two years. And, oh yeah, Michael Dell, I think Samsung are there. And that's kind of been like, I'm going to come to Austin to party, but can I really work here? And then what they come to a conference or they come to South by Southwest and they go, I'm moving here. I can buy a house here and live here. And, and my children can grow up here in a great environment. 
And I think it really helped to get the international airport. We had a little airport in the Miller neighborhood. A lot of people pronounce it Mueller because it looks like Mueller. But when I was here early in the 90s, I interviewed the family and they said, no, it's Miller, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, the, the airport was there. And then when they had the international airport, it made it easier for people to come from Japan, London, Ireland, all these places that have big tech hubs. And now they could start relationships and do business. That was a big deal. But it was funny how you mentioned punch above their weight. I was just at Disco and I was talking to them about their story. They have a great story. You know, they were able to take uh, millions and millions of documents for lawyers, upload them to the cloud. And with AI, they can do a quick search of, I need the text message between Enron and my client in 1992 on Tuesday the 5th. And their AI can find it like that in millions of documents. And they have a great name too. Legal Discovery shortened to Disco. Oh, that's where it came from. Okay. I was always, I always had the kind of the 70s thing in mind. I was never sure where Disco came from. So I didn't either. So I, I talked to Kiwi Kamara, the uh, CEO and founder, and he said, well, we're trying to get that message out too, that Legal Discovery is so long and laborious and we short it to Disco. The line that I was really proud of in my story that's coming up in the next two weeks or so is, um, you know, in the complicated legal dance of law, Disco's tech is shortening the time of discovery. So, you know, it's one of those things that if you can connect with the viewer and connect with clients in a fun way, I think the message gets out, you know. But it is really interesting, all this kind of you were talking about, like people were coming here and it's a football town and then they, they, they love to be here. And, and there was a story that I remember I was at the Applied AI Intelligence Conference last year and Crystal Conte, the, the athletic director for UT, spoke. And my first inclination was, why is the UT athletic director speaking at an AI conference? That, that's an interesting um, piece. But this is where all of these different pieces really come together. And, and that was his point, was talking about how UT football was the, I'm going to butcher what he said, but like the the front porch of Austin, because they were mentioning the fact that this was, you know, back, um, you know, like you know, a year and a half ago or something, two years ago, that they were telling him because Governor Abbott was sitting in his box at UT football, <laughs> that they should yeah. be push that he should be pushing him to be supporting the Chips Act so we can get semiconductor manufacturing here. I was like. This is happening at UT football games. We're having the connection between that and the innovation space. Like, this is a whole different thing that's happening in Austin. Well, I think what happens in Austin, and they're, they're really good at, uh, I give Capital Factory as an example. I look at all of the people in their portfolios, and I cover them now more so than I used to, but they're always throwing a party. There's always a party. There's always a social engagement. And I think a lot of people realize the success in business, especially in this town, is because of relationships. And I think Del Conte gets it. The Governor Abbott gets it. I mean, look at how he lured Tesla here. And, you know, we're getting all these big companies moving here. I was just talking to um, Senator Cornyn the other day at an uh, event with the Austin Chamber called Austin Gives, where these companies are pledging 1% of their gross earnings to help make Austin great. And the conversations were, let's show that we give to each other and we connect with each other to make the city great. And that, that was a story that I wanted to get out. But yeah, I mean, football games, that's a great place to do business in Austin, Texas. 
It's also, and I think your point that there's whether it's the the social events or the parties, but the the nature of the networks themselves is a lot more flexible and open. It was one of the things, and I've written about this before, where my mental model going into when I moved here of ecosystems was an onion, right? As you had, you know, as you had it, as you go down the different layers, you had different levels of power, influence, money, whatever you wanted to say, and that. You know, you had to to get connected to the people at the lower the onion. You had to kind of make your way down it, and and that, and whether you're in New York or the Bay or San Diego, that was kind of the way that they all operated. And what really shocked me when I was here, and it's been that way over the last you know nearly three years that I've been here, is. One, how open it is, and people are really willing to connect you to, into other people, what, wherever they are at the levels. I've, I've met a lot of really interesting people all throughout the the level of the spectrum level in terms of power, influence, and, and people are willing to make those introductions. The, the joke that I've made is that 80% of the time that somebody says they're going to introduce you to somebody, they do, which I think for many people in Austin might say like, well, of course, but outside of Austin, that's not a normal hit rate. And the movie isn't actually going to do that. And at the same time that there's been these things of like person A and person B anywhere else in, you know, in ecosystems are like, you, they wouldn't know each other. Like this, they wouldn't have this. I think part of it also is the fact that we still have this kind of small town structure. We're like, yeah, they know each other because they might've gone to high school together. You know, before they kind of, someone became big and someone didn't, they, you have these kind of interesting, you know, weak ties that still bring the city and region together. You're exactly right. You know, this is a big little city. I went to the University of Southern California. You came from San Diego. When I came here in the 90s, it was such a shock to me because California is really pretty fast paced and there's some social currency as to the group you hang around with. And unless you get an invite, you can't really hang in that circle. I'm in Austin and I was at, you know, HEB. We're really excited about our grocery stores here. And I, I had some stuff for a tailgate. And the person behind me goes, oh, you having a tailgate? Man, Shiner Beer, that's an Austin classic. Oh, and you got to have some queso. And I'm like, are you talking to me? I mean, I, I don't even know you. And there, he's like my buddy in five seconds. And then as I got to know this town more, like you say, and I think it was brilliant to start this podcast because of the culture here. If you make a phone call and say, hey, I got the Austin Next podcast. I want to talk to you about what you're doing. They will more than likely say yes, because that's part of the culture here. But like, again, if you're invited to a football tailgate, all these tailgates are wide open and you never know who's going to be there. I'll go to a tailgate. Then all of a sudden there's a guy in, you know, Birkenstock shorts and a UT t-shirt who looks like he's just hanging out for the day, but he's like the CEO of a big company and he will talk to you. In California, that was a different thing. It was a fancy party or it was an invite only. Here, the culture really mixes well because I think the CEOs here realize you never know who you're going to meet and they might help my company or maybe I can help their company. So the ecosystem is really good here for that. And you also find, again, at every level, people who drink the Kool-Aid, you know, they come here and like, you know, I, the amount of times I've heard the story of like, 
well, we, we might go to Austin and, but we're not going to stay. We're not going to, or, or we might stay or go. And then they become like the biggest advocates. They become the big ambassadors. They run the newspapers. They run, I mean, we joke like this, you know, start a podcast or you see then, you know, the, the big ambassadors. I mean, like, you know, Matthew McConaughey is, you know, you know Michael <laughs> Dell. They're like the ambassadors of Austin, you know, and I don't know where, where Michael Dell was born, but I know, I know Matthew McConaughey is obviously Texan, but wasn't born in Austin, but is you know, Mr. Austin at this point. And, and it's one of those things, like when I was in California, before I came here, somebody said, Hey, there's a job opening for a reporter job in Austin at the ABC station. And I went, man, I, the only thing I really know about Texas is Dallas. I know there's cowboys and cactus and oil. <laughs> and then, uh, I came here for my job interview and I went, there's water and they have these cool things called breakfast tacos. And this is where they tape Austin city limits. Wait a minute. This is pretty cool. They have a big lake, Lake Travis. And so when I came here and went home, I said, this is the best kept secret in Texas. Austin, it, they had this thing called, um, uh, it was before ACL and it was, you got a skipper pin and it was called, um, I forgot the name, but it was just a little festival on Ladybird Lake. And Stevie Ray Vaughan would play, Willie Nelson would play. You could get in, grab a beer, watch a concert, and the vibe was great. And I think once people like from California, especially Boston or New York, you know how uptight it is up there, they come here and go, I can be myself, I can enjoy my life and live here and connect with people who want to build things like me. The builder mentality here is great because everybody wants to help each other out because if they succeed or their friend succeeds, everyone succeeds. Right. I think it's, the, it's Michael Dell's book, you can play nice and win. There's this kind of, the lift all up. And it really is that the Austin culture vibe way of doing things really does seem to imbued on everything that comes here. One of the things I've, I've found really interesting is, you know, when the country music awards said that they were coming here and when the, the crypto conference that, that came here, what was interesting on, on both occasions they had a particular structure. They moved to Austin and both of them said, oh, now that we're in Austin, we're going to become more festival-like. We're going to look basically look more like South by in terms of our structure because that's the way a Austin conference you know, uh, event looks like. And so we are an Austin festival now. And so this is how we need to play. So instead of the Country Music Awards being one night, one event. It is now a week long event with music, everything and ending. And it's really interesting about like, if you come to Austin, there's an Austin way of doing things. And that really is influencing everything. Absolutely. And it's funny how you say it's like, they were all going to be one offs. Oh, we're going to do one country music awards here. We're going to do one crypto con here. We're just going to, and then they come here and do the event and go, we just signed a five-year contract with the Moody Center to be here. <laughs> you know, they love it that much. And it was funny. They know the Austin Vibe is really going to connect with viewers and people watching. So they had those live concerts in front of the Capitol. And it was packed with people. And they weaved that into the broadcast for the Music Awards. And it was so much different than having it in New York or L.A. Because you had people in their country gear outside in front of the Capitol dancing to Shania Twain. And it was great. Yeah. And I think that, that this, this cultural vibe of like, I call the Austin superpower of like, we are cool, which is this real, <laughs> this element of that you, you get this, 
you get this connection with Austin culture, whether it be I went to South by, I went to this this event, I went to F one, I went to ACL, yeah. where you kind of come in and you you're like, oh, it's it's the water, <laughs> it's this it's these various different types of things that I connect in. So you always have this kind of positive vibe, which may be one of the reasons why you say like our stories seem to penetrate more into the the, the local site or the national you know media a bit more. And then you kind of say like, oh, well, now I'm hearing about this particular innovation story or this particular bit. And so I'm already primed to tell this story, whether it is in the media or I personally like, oh, well, now this this Austin job came up or this opportunity came up. And so now I want to I now I'm more inclined to say because I had this great experience the first time I went at Southbury or the second time I went with ACL, which helps in this kind of overall attraction for the ecosystem. I, I totally agree. And, you know, whatever you're into, this city really embraces it. If you go to Mozart's Coffee on the lake, you're going to see people in suits, flip-flops, and T-shirts, and they're doing big things together and collaborating. And I don't, it doesn't matter if you consider yourself a nerd or some fashion icon who's doing movies in Austin. The collaboration here is great. And there's really not a lot of divisions and stereotypes that stop anything from happening here. Everybody likes to collaborate. And that's one of the things these, these companies are tapping into, the collaboration from the guy that can write great code but doesn't really like to talk to people will show up at Starbucks and engage, right? And I know that sounds like a stereotype, but everybody feels welcome and there's this different pressure. Everybody's dealing with pressure, but the pressure is different. Because I think it's more collaborative and everybody wants to do well in what they're doing and then play on the weekends at the festivals. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting. So and I brought this quote up a couple of times uh, in an episode a few weeks ago in this where, you know, uh, Bill Gurley, who recently, you know, announced that he was here, but he, he was on Bloomberg recently and he said a challenge that we had it was us in Miami had this challenge of that we're too fun. Compared with, you know, it was, it was, we're too fun compared to the Bay because the, and that's not going to attract the best entrepreneurs who are the most dedicated because there's this ability to do other things. It was an interesting balance because when I had on Richard Florida a couple weeks ago, and we, we also dissected that quote because the origin of the creative class book was People in uh, students in Pittsburgh at Carnegie Mellon said that they were going to go to Austin over Pittsburgh because Austin was more fun. So it's this interesting kind of balance of like, well, we were more fun than Pittsburgh, which is attracting people. But then Bill was saying, well, but we're not going to get the best. Now, it's been interesting seeing lots of Silicon Valley entrepreneurs and founders who I've met recently who have moved here, not as loud, who have kind of come under the radar because this is more and more starting to be that flywheel and, and being a powerful place to be. And we're attracting a lot of VCs. So the capital is starting to be here. So it's, it's interesting. Also, I, I, I do push a little bit to say like, I'm pretty sure some of the best founders do play hard pretty well too. <laughs> well, what, what was 20, 2022 4.9 billion in VC right. uh, money coming through the city. But what I hear over and over from all of the transplants from Boston or Pittsburgh or 
Southern California or Silicon Valley is the burnout factor. Yeah, you can have that reputation of hard workers, a culture of achievement and upward mobility, but everybody that comes here, or not everybody, a lot of people I talk to say, look, I was just trying to make sure I could afford the mortgage on my one bedroom, one bathroom house that was $2 million. I was working every day and I just didn't matter to me anymore. I still have the talent and the ability to build a business, but I wanted to take it to Austin. So not only can I work hard, I can have time to play hard and raise my family. And the grind is different. They're now choosing to stay later than having to stay later. And their companies are realizing, look, if they're going to be working eight hour days, we're going to throw something on a Friday and get everybody together. They can bring their families and have a fun time together at the office with their dogs and the people they love. And we're going to continue to go back to work. So I think one of the things that, you know, Austin, yeah, has that party city mentality, but it also has that sense of, look, if I'm going to be working 18 hours a day, I got to love where I live. I got to be able to afford where I live and I need people to support me. Yeah. I, and I really think the, the convergence of the kinds of companies that we're building here, I think it is this convergence of, and this isn't a hundred percent, you know, going to cover everybody, but it really is this, you know, innovation, AI, you know, all the, the high, the really high innovation concepts, meeting the physical world and really meeting the big, passionate problems of today that we are thinking. And I really do think that if I was to sum that up into one company that I think will be, if I look back and say Dell is the representative company of what Austin has been, I think the company that I would put of the representative of what Austin is going forward, I think it's Icon is the convergence of cutting edge technology. It is something in the physical world. It's building things and it is taking on real hard problems of how do we build faster both here. And I know the long-term vision is space and calling and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's, that is really, if I distill it down to one company, I think that's kind of how you would kind of use as the, the symbol of what Austin could be. I think that's a great example because everybody can get it. Everybody knows 3D printing technology has been around for a long time. A lot of companies have been using it and modifying it and making a lot of money off of it. But Icon took a huge leap out of the box and said, you know what? If we can print a shoulder socket, why can't I print a house? And they went to work to figure out how to get a 3D printer big enough to build a house. And they built a huge community in, in Georgetown. And then, you know, they, they're getting noticed by NASA to build on the moon and Mars. And I think the general public really gets it. And they're excited that they're using technology that will affect our daily lives. It's not something pie in the sky or something that might work one day. This is something that's happening now and they're applying it and they're doing a great job. I mean, to revolutionize home building like that and to have a cool culture uh, is great. They, they built that... Um, that little concert area on Ladybird Lake during South by Southwest. So it's a company that likes to have fun and is also building things that matter. So I think that is a great example. But you also have companies like Focused Fusion, 
who are getting people from Livermore Labs coming to Austin because they can figure out a way to get enough land to make their collider and do things out here. And as the word gets out, more of those guys from the Bay Area are going, why don't I just live in Austin and work on this? It's almost like working from home, but in a cool city. <laughs> and so I think that icon example is really good. No, and Focus Fusion is, is backed by Prime Movers Lab, which is, you know, one of the big deep tech uh, VC firms. And we are becoming, I think, more and more a, uh, you know, a deep tech hub. We're really going after like the biggest types of problems. I mean, another company that they're uh, backing is Paradromics, which is, you know, brain computer interface. We also have Neuralink here, like this real big convergence of all of these hard problems in technology. And I'm not, this is not me going at like the next social media company or the next SaaS company, but it makes back to the point of we are building something different in Austin than not trying to be the next Silicon Valley. We're trying to be the first Austin, which means we're building different things. We are being a unique hub of where the digital and the physical come together. And it's funny you say that, you know, paradromics. I was going to buy Roaring Fork. It's a steakhouse in Austin. And Paradromics was right there on the side of the road. And I'm thinking to myself, if this was in Silicon Valley or in LA, it would be in a big shiny building. Their logo would be all over the place. And you knew they were in town. I don't know how many people pass by their office and have no idea what they're doing. And they're right there. They could... Their technology has the ability to really revolutionize medicine and thought and, and so many things. And it's right there by Roaring Fork on my way to work. You know, that's what the culture is so great. These companies are spread out. I went to the warehouse behind the domain. Everybody knows where the domain is in Austin. It's a big shopping area, you know, kind of like in Southern California, outdoors, really cool and hip. And there's a little warehouse area behind it. And that's where Aptronic is. They're building robots for NASA, humanoid robots. And I'm like, they're right here in Austin. This is so cool. You know, and they're not flashy about it. They're telling their story and trying to get it out as best they can. And I think as more and more people learn about that culture, it's more appealing. Yeah, Aptronic is another great example. And, and again, they're not the only humanoid robot that's being done here, right? Like this is the exact example of this kind of convergence of those types of technologies here that are hard problems. It's not, I mean, we've been talking about this forever. I mean, how, how long have we been watching those amazing Boston dynamic videos and the, right. you know, the robots flipping and every time the new one comes out and you're like, okay, if that thing's chasing me, that's a little scary, right? It's flipping over things, the dogs opening doors, right? But with, you know, the Apollo coming with, you know, the Apollo robot, it's, but they're powerful things and how you can work together with them. And it's, it's, I think it's just really exciting. The stuff that we are building here, right? It is building things. We are built doing software as well and how they interact with the world, but we are doing things that actually will be driving productivity in the economy, driving physical and bringing kind of the, the, the next stage in the evolution of what this country and the world is capable of doing. And that's going to be coming out of Austin. Yeah. And AI is the big buzz right now, right? A lot of people have no idea that Jasper is here. And a lot of the AI stuff coming out of here from Paradromics and other companies, um, you know, Aptronics using AI, that's the next 
big leap for us and huge companies are using and harnessing AI to change the world in Austin right now. Yeah. And, it, and it's funny because it's a buzzword at the moment, right? As you would expect, and everyone does. And I, I use ChatGPT six, seven times a day because it's a huge productivity <laughs> enhancement. And it's kind of the funny thing that I, I've said uh, as well. And I've, I've talked with, you know, like if pharma, AI pharma companies. And part of the joke, of course, I've used is, do you know what you call an AI pharma company in 10 years? A pharma company. <laughs> You're right. You're because it becomes it becomes embedded in a lot of these things. And right. the difference is, you know, exactly. what are things that are part of the stack versus actually just tools that we that we use. And I think it's about what are we building? And when I and it was interesting because when I had, you know, Brett uh, Hurt and, and Worley on together, and we talked about that question of how do we think about was Jasper was really on our on our my mind when we first put together that that episode is when we're not building the large models themselves, and we're not building the quantum computers themselves, and we're building the layers on top, that becomes an interesting question of how defensible is that? Where does Austin sit? You know, when we are building, whether we're building the deep tech itself, like we're talking about, like focused fusion or paradromics or aptronic versus the application layer. So it becomes an interesting thinking about the evolution of the innovation ecosystem for what we're building, what becomes defensible, what becomes the leaders and what becomes the, yeah, we've got 30 of those applications because they be, they're a little more interchangeable. Yeah. And, and I think this is a great test bed for it. And I think companies are willing to try to figure out how they fit in the puzzle. And what I think is happening is that you hear more people coming here. So you have thought leaders saying, you know what, we better make a base in Austin so we can tap into the culture and the talent here that it that are doing those layers now. And maybe they tweak it in a way that it becomes even more important in the whole ecosystem of things. So I think a lot of people have no idea that Austin has these great deep tech things going on, but they also have, you know, Helio. Helio started at the University of Texas. Josh Bear did like, uh, uh, Josh Bear is a capital factory. He had a class at Texas and he was talking about, hey, come up with an idea that you think is fun. So this guy came up to Josh and said, hey, um, I like drones. And he said, well, what do you like about drones? And he goes, well, I'm a farmer and I, I really think we could change crop dusting with drones. So Helio spins out of that. And now they have these big drones that do crop dusting and the farmer just sets in a code with a GPS. And then all of a sudden the drone does all of the crops. He changes out the batteries, does all of the crops, no big planes, no big tractors. They have these huge wing spans that has, they can treat all their crops. And it's stuff that's touching our lives today that's coming out of this town. And, you know, you talked about it in your report, you know, on the biosciences sector. Look at all of the companies that are using tech now to change our lives immediately. And maybe it's, you know, something where they're using software like Everly or Wheel that are changing our lives right now. And that's part of Austin's story that I think needs to get out. And that's why I think your report and this podcast is a great thing. It's just like, look, guys, things are happening here and we're changing the world. I like that the motto from the University of Texas, what happens here changes the world. It's almost something you could apply to the whole city. 
No, I didn't think you're right. And I, and I also love what you said about like people are opening offices. They need to get involved because speaking of ag tech, John Deere opened up an office here, uh, an innovation office to get more involved in utilizing the technology that's here and being able to be that talent and connect into what, what was going on. One thing I do want to, you talk about how not a lot has changed from your first stint to now, and you wanted to start up the, the click it up. So you now started tech this out because you still probably saw this gap. So talk to me about why you started it. What's the gap that you were hoping to fill and what makes a good story on it? Well, it was funny. A couple summers ago, my boss came and said, hey, I really want you to do a, a series on something. And my biggest fear is that I have to do a series on City Hall or the courts or transportation. I said, okay, I'll get back to you. And I was talking to my friends and I said, I'll give you what I think is underrepresented in Austin. What do you think is underrepresented in Austin? And I think it was almost unanimously tech. You know, they come to me with these stories about, oh, hey, they threw this big party. They're doing something with like, brain implants in Austin. I'm like, yeah, that's a great story. Oh, I'd like to hear more about it. So I came to my boss a couple weeks later and I said, look, I want to do a tech series called Tech This Out. And this is not some, this is not a gotcha series. This is just to tell the world, hey, this company is here. This is what they're doing. And it's really cool. You know, usually when we cover tech in this town, I think all of the stations in the newspaper are, are part of the, the issue here is that Oh, Dell's laying off 10,000 people. Well, that makes a headline. Uh, AMD is having a hiring freeze. Well, AMD is making some cool chips now. Well, why don't we talk about that? So I said, look, let's start this thing called Tech This Out. So to ease them in to the series, they said, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to sustain a series uh, on a bunch of tech companies in Austin? And, you know, after you go through Dell and Samsung, like, what do you have? <laughs> like, Please give me a break. So um, I said, look, I'm going to start out with Bumble. Everybody knows Bumble as a dating app, but really they're harnessing AI and technology to make these connections and they have a really cool space in Austin. So I'm just going to go to Bumble and maybe that'll be a hook to draw people in and go, oh, that's a really cool building they're in. Oh, they're doing this beyond dating and they're into legislation now. There's a lot of these um, tech companies that are really active socially and politically that are, are creating some change. So that was an easy thing for me to kind of sell it. And then as I started putting these stories together, they're like, oh, that's really cool. Like Lazarus 3D, Disco. Then they said, well, what about Dell? And I said, well, I'll, I'll give you something on Dell, but it's non-traditional. So Dell and the University of Texas started a Longhorn Gaming Center so they could do competitive gaming. And they're building out a big arena in their student union. And so, so I'm trying to make these stories not only connect with the people in town, but people that maybe aren't really tech consumers and think, oh, really, that's happening in Austin? That's really cool. You know, baseball started the season and a lot of people didn't know that the Round Rock Express was, was using robot umps. I watched that episode because I didn't realize they were being used here and I heard about that. And so that was one of the things where the sports fan got into the tech and there was this great response on that because it was a good crossover. If I just, you know, said, yeah, I want to do a, do a story on Round Rock Express, they wouldn't really, they say, well, we do that all the time. What's the story? Then when I said, well, they have these robot arms. Okay. 
so that was really fun to do. And so for check this out, I go to these companies and say, look, just let me tell your origin story and let's spread the word about what's happening in this town. And, you know, uh, Aptronic, I stumbled across them at a meeting at Capital Factor and said, yeah, we're building this robot. And then when I talked to them, I go, you're building Apollo after the Valkyrie mission with NASA. That's amazing. Uh, and then going back to the sports thing, Golf Plus, you had a bunch of golfers in town who were stuck during the pandemic who couldn't get to these golf courses because they were closed. So they said, let's play all the best golfers, golf courses in the world with augmented reality and virtual reality. And they built Golf Plus in Austin. So that's the goal. Get these stories out. Tell people what we're doing here and celebrate the tech. Do you think, this might be a slightly controversial question, do you think that the, since so many of the stories about tech tend to be the ones you talked about with like, they, they laid off, they did, it was always the kind of, if it bleeds, it leads kind of questions, is what drives the, at least what I've noticed, almost the lack of access. So, so many of the stories that I've read in, in a lot of the local media, I won't say which stories or which things, you read it and you realize if you spend, you know, two minutes thinking analytically, you're like, you just rewrote the press release or you listened to the earnings call. You clearly don't have access. You couldn't, you didn't call up the company and get any sort of extra anything. And my guess is because, and so my, my hypothesis is, and this is the question is, if you were constantly leading with the like all of this negative news, if that's your lead, and then you call up and say, well, I'd like to talk to you, my answer might be, well, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I, I mean, is that is that what's happening or something, or am I completely misreading this? You know, you really nailed it, and nobody really talks about this. So something happened. Something happened to a tech company that opened their doors, then all of a sudden the word came out that said, we need to circle our wagons. We don't want to show them beyond the rope. Let's just keep everything surfacey and let's not really show them what we do. Because if they bring in cameras here, they're going to burn us or they're going to say something to make our stock go down. So when I started Tech This Out, my first approach to all these tech companies is, look, I don't have a relationship with you. And actually, I don't sense that you have any relationship locally with the media. I mean, I, I see you popping up in a lot of the technology periodicals and maybe USA Today will get a blurb from you, but we don't know you. And I know people that work in your company and they say you have a great culture. And so it's, it took a while when I first started this because I said, what are you doing? What do you want to do? You know, IBM is usually really buttoned up. And, you know, we hear a few things coming out of them, but they have a really cool white hacking team, white hat hacking team called X-Force Red. And nobody had ever, had ever done a story on it. And they're based in Austin doing these big major battles in cyberspace to stop hackers. But IBM has not told that story or didn't really get that story out. And I said, this is in our backyard. This is a great story. I think people will connect. You know, it took me a while to get um, back. You know, when Silicon Labs launched, it was easy to get the first interview. I've been talking to them because they've done some renovations to their headquarters downtown Austin. People pass them all the time. And a lot of people don't know what they do. So it took me a couple months to get a relationship with the PR people to get in there. And the other place is Oracle, the Oracle campus. 
you know, Oracle's big and they do a lot of great things in the tech space, but they're still pretty closed off. And I said, hey, I want to get a tour of your campus. You have a cool F1 car in the lobby and, you know, racing is coming to town. Why don't we get together and do a tech this out on the computing power Oracle puts into racing and it's the race off the track. And they said, oh, yeah, that'd be a great story. But it's not something that is organic to a lot of these cultures because they think that we're the enemy. It's like, look, I want to tell your story. If there are layoffs, that's going to come out anyway. And that's really not my goal is to gotcha. My goal is to celebrate what you do. So you're right. A lot of these companies close their doors. So I'm hoping that it's funny because I have to show them examples of my stories before they'll accept an invite for me to do the story because they want to make sure I'm not coming in to I don't know, expose something. And I always say, if there's anything proprietary on their screens, I'm not going to show it. This is really to show that you're building something in Austin. You have a great culture and we want to celebrate it. Right. No, it makes, makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's the same thing is that, you know, the, the podcast itself, right. Is, is supposed to be, it's an exploration. It's not, a, it's, I've never tried to do gotchas, right. Like trying to understand things and now it doesn't mean I don't ask questions and we don't push and, we have these kinds of fun conversations. Well, and this being one of them, and it's been a lot of fun. And so, you know, especially someone who's been here for a long time and gone back and forth, uh, I, I can't wait to hear the answer to this. So always ask the same question uh, and to end it the same way. Walt, what's next, Austin? <laughs> well, what's next, Austin? I think soon the word is going to get out. I think a lot of these companies are starting to say, we're doing great things here not only in Austin, but look at what's happening in Dallas and in Houston and, and this whole state. I think this whole state is emerging as a leader in not only the tech space in the nation, but the world. And you're having like the CHIPS Act that are going to help things out. You know, when Tesla starts to come here, Google or Meta and make headquarters here, the ecosystem is changing. Not only with the big companies, but we're still keeping our small town fill and that I can meet the big tech guy at a party thing going on. So you can still have the big companies, but have the small town fill. And I think there's going to be an explosion here in the next year. I predict in the next year, there's going to be a sense that we're not Silicon Hills. We're not the also ran. There's going to be things coming out of Austin where they're going to say, wow, Austin tech the Austin Technopolis is its own thing. It's not something that's an also ran or we're trying to be in the shadow of Silicon Hills or Silicon Valley. So I think that that's one thing. The money is still coming in. Look at the interest rates and this economy. And you're still seeing millions of dollars coming in to Austin, which is great. And a, a sleeper that nobody really talks about. I don't know, maybe it's by design, but the military tech with BAE and the things that are happening in this city is pretty next level. And that's a story that hasn't been talked about as well. Exciting stuff, no, definitely looking forward to it. Walt, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, it's a, it was a pleasure to be here and, and keep getting the word out. So what's next, Austin? We're glad you've joined us on this journey. Please subscribe at your favorite podcast catcher. Leave us a review and let your colleagues know about us. This will help us grow the podcast continue bringing you unique interviews and insights. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.